Welcome to Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. Do you sometimes feel alone in life with personal and interpersonal struggles and challenges? We'll show you that you are not alone and that you can learn and thrive from your challenges and thereby live a healthy life. Now, here is your host, Dr. Vadisha Patel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. I work in private practice in Sarasota, Florida, as a licensed mental health therapist, and I spend some time as well at an undergraduate institution where I counsel college-age students. Much of my work involves helping individuals understand and regulate their emotions, whether it's about family, friends, or how they view themselves. I find that many people are under a great deal of stress and become easily anxious or overwhelmed by their situations and by transitions in life. And so in order to best assist my clients and all of you, I am continually seeking out different modalities of treatments. And I prefer to look for tools and techniques that my clients and all of you can learn with ease and be able to implement on your own so that you're able to help yourselves going forward. So with that intent, I am very excited to bring you a wonderful guest today who I met just recently. Laura Bekosh is an author, a speaker, and a researcher on the topic of mindfulness. She's previously worked in the corporate world, but more recently, she's the CEO and founder of Inner Explorer, which we will talk about at greater length towards the end of the show. Laura has come to the subject of mindfulness from a place of professional and personal need and is now spreading the information to everyone else. So welcome, Laura. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for that introduction and for inviting me. I'm thrilled to to be here talking with you today. Well, great. So I want to start by setting the stage. So can you talk a little bit about what you see is happening in the world today and um, how that calls for a mindfulness practice? Sure. You just touched on it a bit in your introduction and clearly with your work in the world helping kids develop ways to manage their emotions. And I I think most listeners will probably agree that the world is more complex today than it's ever been. The, The data continues to show some pretty big challenges from a mental health standpoint. So we know that, for instance, rates of suicide are up, rates of addiction are up, rates of overdose are up, Um, depression, anxiety, and a number of mental health disorders are striking younger and younger children, which should terrify all of us, and at, at greater levels. So where we used to maybe have one child in 10 or 20 with a diagnosable mental health disorder, now it's like two and five. And, you know, ponder that for just a second, and you realize that if we have a, a number of children that are growing up with these disorders and there's not, uh, you know, relief, then they become adults with even greater challenges because very often without intervention, these things grow. And and that is why many experts are saying that some of these things we see downstream with like suicide ideation and, and suicide as an example start when kids are pretty young. So I don't mean to, to scare 
the, the <laughs> listening audience. But I, I do think that it's pointed in, in that all of us should, should start to realize that this is a pretty enormous challenge that we're facing, but the good news is that there, there is hope, and that's what we'll, you know, we'll dig into as we go through the talk. Right. That makes a lot of sense because it's true, even in my practice, I find that kids are coming in at younger and younger ages. And I would agree, I think, if we can start teaching children various tools from a very young age, it just becomes a part of their lifestyle. And so it it becomes a, a positive habit that they can add because when they don't have those tools and techniques, then they end up in relationship with with others that becomes dysfunctional, which then carries on through adulthood and it creates a bigger problem. So um, this is great that we can start at a younger and younger age. Um, So how did you find mindfulness? How did you come across that? Because you were in the corporate world. Correct. So probably like many people, I was highly stressed. I was traveling quite a bit. I felt a lot of pressure from work and, you know, wasn't sleeping well. I had my own, you know, sequence of traumas as a a young person growing up that that hadn't ever been really dealt with. And so I found myself as a 30-year-old with um, very few tools to kind of navigate some of these things that I was facing in my life. And it was getting harder. So I read about mindfulness in in an article. I think at the time it was a scientific article. And Uh it talked about how just practicing in this way, you know, this mindfulness um, technique, you know, every day for a little bit of time would transform the amount of stress I was feeling. And so at that point I was trying to do a lot of different, you know, I was exercising, I was trying to get more sleep, I was trying to make some changes that I thought would be helpful, but they weren't really getting to the root of of that, you know, stress and anxiety I was feeling. So I, I found a trainer that taught me how to practice. And I think for a lot of people that I've talked to, they say, well, I can't you know, do mindfulness or meditation. I'll discuss the differences in a bit. But I, I can't do that. I can't clear my mind. I can't sit still. And there's all kinds of, you know, sort of things that people believe. And so it stops them from practicing. And, and what I've said to them is, you know, anybody can do this. It's not about clearing your mind. It's simply about paying attention to what's going on in there. You know, we as a, as a you know, sort of a culture, we pay most of our attention to the external world, whether it's our device, whether it's what we're seeing, um, how we're moving in the world. We spend very little time noticing our thoughts and our feelings and what's happening on the inside. And well, so mindfulness yeah. is simply about turning attention inward. And that's, that's simply what it is. And that's a wonderful tool that we definitely need in today's world, because I agree with you. I think there's a lot of multitasking, some of which is associated with technology. But in general, I think the world is speeding up. There's so much more that people feel the need to get done all at once. And so even when we're doing one thing, we are thinking about 10 other things that need to happen in either at the same time or in succession, or we're worried about something else that could be a month down the road and um, 
So it's fascinating to me that just a few minutes of this technique can help us recenter. So, um, so now when you exactly. when you discovered this, how did you um, how did you start implementing it for yourself then? So you were practicing it. Was it hard to learn, or how did that all come about? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. So when I began, I had somebody who had a you know, long background in this field and a lot of expertise, and so she was my initial guide. And so the the main thing that she taught me, and this is what we you know when we take the, the programming to kids, it's the thing that I try to really um, you know make very clear for people. The main thing that you need to do, if you only do one thing, this is it. Mm-hmm. Practice every day. Sit every day and practice, whether it's one minute, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever you can do, practice every day. So the analogy that we use that really helps make sense of this is teeth brushing. So everybody in this country, for the most part, brushes their teeth every day. We brush our teeth every day because there's a lot of research that shows it promotes dental health. Right? Right. We don't get cavities, we don't get as much gum disease. You know, people still do have challenges with their teeth, of course, but nowhere near as much as if they didn't brush. In fact, right. as a crazy aside, um, dental health was considered a national crisis in the early 1900s. Literally a national crisis. Because so many people were in so much pain due to um, dental decay and uh, disease, you know, gum disease and whatnot. So we liken mindfulness to dental health, but mindfulness promotes cognitive health or brain health or mental health. So if you practice a little bit every day and it's literally sitting and paying attention to your inner world, um, things begin to change for you. Stress is reduced. Um, cognitive function or brain function is improved. Clarity is improved. And over time, you start to notice like a real transformation. So um, it, that is the one most important thing. This is not something you can get from just reading a book. You, know, right. you can read a book or you can go to a class and you can learn how to sort of be in stillness and, you know, sit and pay attention. But practicing every day is the most important part. Um, and it's, it's easy, even though at the beginning it can be challenging. So does it have to be done at the same time every day? Or is this something that as long as you get to it at some point each day when you're learning, um, it would be helpful? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, generally, I would advise folks to try to stick to the same time every day because it's a habit. Sort of like right. you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth. It, it's kind of the same thing. So it, I, I wouldn't prescribe what time every single person should do it because people have different, you know, rhythms in their, in their day. P- personally, I like practicing in the morning because it's quiet in my house and it's at the beginning of the day and it just really sets my uh, sets the stage for kind of a relaxed and focused day but um, you know for some people evening might be a better time so I would say try to stick to the same time every day whatever is most you know useful for you 
And then if you miss a day, it's okay. You know, you, you can miss right. a day here and there, and it's really fine. Um, or you can say, you know what, I don't have time for 10 minutes, but I'm just going to practice for one minute in my car on the way to work or whatever. Um, so, Well, that's, um, that's actually and, a really good it, point because when I work with clients um, sometimes around health and exercise, they will say to me that, well, I was working out every day and then I missed a day, so that's the end of that habit and I'm not capable of doing this. And so this point of if you miss one day, it's okay. Or if you can't do a long time, do a little bit, but just try and aim to do it most every day. And and I think that is how we develop healthy habits is by just not beating ourselves up over the fact that we may have missed a day or two here and there, but that we just continue to come back to it. So that that makes a lot of sense to exactly. me. Exactly. And one just um, point to build on that, the thing that I, I think I love the most about mindfulness is that part of the practice is about just being kind to yourself. That's a very integrated point that if you're sitting and your eyes are closed and you're breathing and you're just paying attention to that inner world and maybe you have a thought about something that, you know, is disturbing to you, like if you have a deadline coming up or you've got in a fight with somebody or whatever it is, the, the whole part of the practice is that there's an acceptance of, okay, I just had that thought. Let me pull myself back to my breathing, and it's okay. Like, I'm okay, it's okay. And you start to be um, tender and kind to yourself, just like you would, you know, maybe treat somebody else. You start to really bring that in, and that's part of the transformation that happens, is that there's a, an acceptance and a care that goes along with the practice that starts to really, um, you know, kind of inform how you then start to behave in the world. That's wonderful because I think we all forget that as important as it is to be kind towards others and appreciate and be grateful for others, we really have to start with ourselves. And the kinder we can be to ourselves, the more it gives us the room and the space to be kind to others. Um, exactly. A, a lot of... And let me just... Go ahead. I have one other one other story that that may gel for people because the the practice of mindfulness some of that kindness just comes very naturally. It's not like the the, the person you know sitting and practicing has to really work at it. The the reality is that most of us are kind and compassionate and empathetic and thoughtful just as part of being human. But often we have all of these blockers based on our own history and maybe traumas and things that kind of stop the essence of who we are from emerging. So the story is that we were in a school, our program was running in a school for less than two months. So these kids had had access to these practices for about eight weeks, six or eight weeks. And the school is right near uh, Fort Hood Army base. It's the largest military installation in the country. There's a lot of trauma in these children because of multiple deployments and parents' deaths and all kinds of different things. And so they brought us into this school because they were having so many behavior problems. The kids, I mean, this is an elementary school, and the kids were just getting in trouble, getting suspended, you know, fighting and so on. And so after the six to eight month trial, 
of, you know, daily mindfulness practice through Inner Explorer, I went in to visit with the teachers to just check in and find out how things were going. And so the teachers were reporting out, yes, we're seeing the behavior problems have gone way down and the kids are more focused and we think they're doing better, you know, in school and, you know, all of these great things. And the teachers were saying, I like the time too. It's nice for me to be able to sit and, and reflect and I feel less stressed. And so I was kind of like, yep, okay, those are all the things, you know, science already shows this. So all, all expected. And then they looked at me and a couple of them even had their arms crossed and they said, what we can't figure out is why are the kids so much nicer to each other on the playground? Is that mindfulness too? (laughs) And anybody that that knows about this field knows, yes, that is mindfulness too. That is Uh, a great story. We just never told them. Right. That's a wonderful story. And um, when we... We are actually going to go to a commercial break right now, but when we come back, we are going to try an experiential exercise so that all of the listeners can experience a little bit of what we're talking about. So please stay tuned. We're talking about mindfulness with Laura Bakosh, CEO and co-founder of Inner Explorer. If you have questions, please, please email me at at drv4kids at yahoo.com. This is Dr. Vidisha Patel on Perspectives. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Vadisha Patel is a licensed mental health counselor working at Peace of Heart LLC in Sarasota, Florida. Peace of Heart offers individual counseling with children and adults, as well as programs in stress reduction. Dr. Patel utilizes a relationship-based approach to treatment. She is currently accepting new patients. To find out more, visit peaceofheartllc.com or in Florida, Call 941-539-1727. Again, that's peaceofheartllc.com. Or call 941-539-1727. Peace of Heart LLC. Managing emotions for a healthier lifestyle. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number 4, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. Welcome back to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel, and I'm in conversation with Laura Bakosh, CEO and founder of Inner Explorer. We're talking about mindfulness, and when we went to the break, Laura had just shared a wonderful story about some children in an elementary school um, and how they were 
became kinder to each other after practicing these techniques for, was it six months or something like that, Laura? Um, six weeks, yeah. Six, six weeks. weeks. That's incredible. So I would love for our listeners to be able to have a taste of what this mindfulness experience is like. So I'm hoping that you would be willing to lead us in a little exercise. Yes, I would be happy to. So what we will do is I'll invite the listeners who are not driving to <laughs> close their eyes or look downward. And for those that may be driving, simply just notice your hands on the steering wheel as um, you take a few breaths in and out at your own pace. And just breathing in, sensing the air as it travels in and Breathing out and again sensing the air move through your body. And maybe as you continue breathing, sensing where your body is moving. Maybe your abdomen is moving in and out as you breathe, or maybe your shoulders are rising and falling with each breath. Don't try to do anything with your breathing. Just try to notice whatever is there. Maybe bring your attention to where you're sitting. Maybe in a car, maybe at home or at work. Feeling the cushion or the seat underneath you. Just keep breathing in and out and noticing where your legs are touching the surface. Aware of where your feet may be touching the floor. And with your next breath in and out, Tending to your back. And if the back is touching the back of a chair or a seat, or if maybe there's nothing touching the back at all. Noticing your thoughts may come and go, which is perfectly normal. And just when you notice that you're off thinking about something, just gently bring your attention back to the in and out of the breath. And we'll just take two more full inhalations and exhalations. Just noticing that movement. And then opening your eyes or looking back upward whenever you're ready. That's so wonderful. That mini. <laughs> that's that's that was wonderful. About two minutes for your listeners if they're not sure, but that was pretty fast. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting to me because I just did a show about um, that where we talked about meditation, and we did an experiential exercise there as well. And both 
the meditation exercise and this mindfulness exercise feels it feels like it slows you down a little bit and it brings a sense of calm but in a very different way um so i'm wondering this might be a good time if you could give a give us a little bit of an explanation your version of how you see mindfulness as being different from meditation okay and I think that um, we generally stay away from the word meditation for a couple of different reasons, and I'll explain the differences. But meditation is a kind of a broad term, kind of like sports, right? There's okay. a lot of different things that may fit underneath there or kind of or not, a little, you know, a little bit or a lot. And so when you talk about meditation, it For some people, it immediately makes them think of a monk up on a mountain, you know, sitting all day saying, um, you know, and um, and it also makes some people think, well, I've got to clear my mind because meditation is about clearing my mind. And those are different forms of meditation, but there's there's a ton of different variations. So mindfulness, I, I think, technically fits within there, you know, sort of like as tennis would be a sport, maybe. But okay. mindfulness is not about clearing your mind. It is about noticing what is in there. So what happens is that we are aware of probably only 40% of our thoughts, right? Because it was wow, just, you know, that's not very much at all. all day long. No, it, it's not. And we have, you know, 50,000 thoughts on average a day. And so there's a bunch of them that are happening outside of our awareness. Now, some things, like driving to work is always a great example that people give. So you may be so familiar with your drive to work that even though you're attending to driving and putting on the brake and the gas and turn signal and so on, you're not really aware. You could get all the way to work sometimes and not even realize how you got there because you were lost in some other thought, right? Yes. yes. And so, so what the, the thing that's really uh, important for, for folks to understand is that many of the things that happen in the background are detrimental to our health and well-being. They're things that are maybe have been said to us as children or maybe a part of our experience of trauma and things that stick with us and that become part of like our operating system. And so then we become adults and we wonder why we're quick, quick to snap or why we, you know, might have certain behaviors that are super negative, like addictive behaviors and whatnot. So some of that stuff has roots in our what we call our narrative or that inner voice. And so when you stop long enough to pay attention to that inner voice and really befriend it, you start to uncover what things aren't true for you anymore. So I might have been the dumb one in my family, let's say, right? Maybe I had brilliant brothers and sisters and I didn't do well in school and so I got sort of labeled. Either I put the label on myself or somebody did that I'm the dumb one. Well, that... I'm the dumb one, stays with me. In the background, I don't question it. I don't think about it. I I hardly even hear myself say that to myself, but it's there. 
And when I start to practice mindfulness, I, I find that and I go, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, and then I realize, wow, that keeps coming up for me. That's coming up a lot. That thought keeps hitting me when I'm in, in this place of stillness. Then when I see that there, I can start to question, well, am I the dumb one still? Is that accurate for me? Is there a different way I can frame that 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 isn't so detrimental to how I feel about myself? And so that's that's the place where you get to that you can start to heal yourself. So I have a I I have a question I want to interject there because um, that's really important. So this mindfulness brings us to a place where we can literally stop and listen and listen carefully to ourselves but then when you find those things when you find that narrative that's hidden inside are is everyone equipped to to handle what they find and so as a mental health therapist who helps people try to figure some of these things out I actually worry if people come up with these things how will they respond to them and will they be able to handle it so with yeah, the kids, yeah. is that an issue? That's a great question. Yeah, sorry, that's a really good question. Um, so it's one of the reasons that we start with children, <laughs> um, because we try to get to them before all these traumas get locked in, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have the tools to process the things that happen to you as they're happening, you're less likely to have these negative narratives influencing your life, right? So that's, that's one thing. The, the other thing is that in our, in our approach, it's a 10-minute-a-day sequence for kids in school. So they do it as a class all together. And I have not heard of a single instance where a child has had kind of a, a, a moment where they were sort of unraveling because of tapping into, you know, some of the these memories and and experiences and thoughts. Um, I have hundreds, maybe thousands of examples of of children that transform as a result of the practice in a positive way, that become who they really are, not who they, you know, they're not their parents' addiction. They're not the poverty they may live in or the violence that they may live in. They they come to a place of who and what they are as human beings with this vast potential. I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories of that. So, but to your point, in the adult space, it is a little bit more dicey because people do have massive traumas that they've put put aside um, throughout their lives. And when you start to practice, things do come up. So we do advise in the school's the counselors and the social workers um, to be aware. And teachers also would, um, they would use the resources that they normally would, right? So there's okay. many protocols set up in schools for this kind of thing, that if a child's having a challenge, they do this, they do that, and they do the next thing. And this would follow that same path. But the good news is, in, at least in the kid world, I, I really have, haven't heard of any. Um, so... We think that this is this is a way for kids to just really truly heal themselves and develop resilience and coping skills in spite of what the circumstances of their life might be. Well, that's and that's a great point. So, 
with the kids, we're building resilience. And I, I love that concept because, again, I'm going back to the let's be look at the preventive side. Let's find ways to help ourselves before we before we need the help. So um, <laughs> exactly, I, th- I it's think like this the teeth is brush your teeth ex- so you don't have to have them drilled and ripped out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So. Um, can you talk a little bit about what's going on in our bodies when this is when we're experiencing this mindfulness exercise? You know the science behind it. If you can give us a a little bit of information about sure. that. Yes, I, I can, and I'm going to try to do a visual example for the listeners, which we'll see how this goes. But if, okay. um, if if the listeners can simply make a fist, but put their thumb underneath the fingers. And just kind of hold it, not you know, not terribly tight, but just kind of hold it that way. That would be the brain, right? The brain has three major parts. So if you look at your wrist, that would be considered the brain stem. And the brain stem is at the very base of your head and back. You know, you can feel it. And that is responsible for all of the automatic functions um, of the brain. So, uh, I'm sorry, of the body. So your heart rate, your breathing when you're not thinking about it, perspiration to help you cool down when you're hot and so on. All of those things are outside of thought. We don't have to worry about it. They just automatically happen and they all live in the brainstem. The second part of the brain is the thumb, which is tucked way into the palm of the hand underneath the fingers. That's mm-hmm. called the limbic system Some people would know it as as being called the fight or flight system. So the limbic system is deep in the brain structure, and it is designed to keep us alive. It is a survival mechanism. So fight or flight would be um, if you're walking down a path and you see something along the path, your body jumps before you realize if it's a stick or a snake. So that, that fast connection to, um, you know, your, your, your legs and your arms to sort of, you know, get out of the way or run away, that is to keep us alive, right? We don't want to have our brain, which is, you know, the top part of the brain is a little bit slower. We don't want that part of the brain to have to figure out, is that a snake? Is that a stick? And all of a sudden you get bitten and you're dead, right? So you want to be able right. to jump out of the way before you've figured that out. So the limbic system does not go through the thinking part of the brain. It goes to the movement part of the brain. And that's how we jump. And then you realize, oh, that was just a stick. And that's fine. So now the top part or the third part are the fingers. And that's called the cortical structure or the cortex. And at the very front is the prefrontal cortex. So that would be where your knuckles kind of bend over that thumb. Prefrontal cortex is considered the executive of the brain. It's where all the advanced thinking and planning and all those kinds of things happen, long-term memory, response inhibition. So in my three-part brain model, when the limbic system is fired up, because there's a threat, the thinking part of the brain goes offline. So if you flip your fingers up, it's like you're flipping your lid. And so this is how we describe it to kids. When your limbic system is fired up, when you're stressed, thinking is completely offline. So if you consider that in life, 
some trauma happened, some fight happened on the way to school, you can't think. Right. Thinking stops. And so that's why mindfulness is so important because we live in a very stressed out world. And so people are reacting and they're not always thinking. And that's happening more and more and more. And so what mindfulness does, and the science shows that it reduces limbic arousal or it reduces that fight or flight, and it improves the prefrontal cortex activity. So it, so it makes kids less likely to go overboard with stress and more likely to be able to focus on school. So it's Excellent. really critical that we get this into schools. That's that's a great explanation. It's a great explanation to the stress response that we all face. Um, so with that, we're going to head to another short commercial break. So don't go away. We're going to be back in a few minutes to talk more about mindfulness and inner explorer and how Laura has started implementing this in the school system. So don't go away. We'll be right back to Perspectives. I am Dr. Vidisha Patel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Vadisha Patel is a licensed mental health counselor working at Peace of Heart LLC in Sarasota, Florida. Peace of Heart offers individual counseling with children and adults, as well as programs in stress reduction. Dr. Patel utilizes a relationship-based approach to treatment. She is currently accepting new patients. To find out more, visit peaceofheartllc.com or in Florida, call 941-539-1727. Again, that's peaceofheartllc.com or call 941-539-1727. Peace of Heart LLC, managing emotions for a healthier lifestyle. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number 4, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. Welcome back to the last segment of our show today. You're listening to Perspectives, and I am your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. Please get in touch with me via email at drv4kids at yahoo.com or go to my website at www.peaceofheartllc.com. That's P-E-A-C-E of heartllc.com. I'm here with Laura Bakosh, CEO and co-founder of Inner Explorer, a mindfulness website and audio-guided tool for school-aged children. 
So before the break, Laura was telling us a little bit about the science behind what happens when we go through these mindfulness exercises. Um, Laura, can you just finish that off a little bit with talking about how does how is the shift in the body? Is there um, does everybody have the same sort of personal shift in their body, or is it a different experience for everybody? Mm, that's a good question. So we talked about the brain and, and the changes in the brain, but also when one begins to practice mindfulness, the most common experience is a reduction of activity in the central nervous system, which is why people start to feel relaxed. The breathing slows, the heart rate slows, and um, even the, the, sort of the chattering in the brain very often starts to slow down as well. So, um, however, sometimes people feel anxious at the beginning because we don't very often spend time noticing our inner landscape or our right. inner world. And when we start doing that, people start to feel like, oh, gosh, I should be doing something. And I'm sitting and I have 10,000 things that I, that need to get done and this is a waste. And, and so there's a lot of... Um, you know, depending on the person, that can also happen as well, which is really normal, and it does start to pass. But generally, the body starts to, to feel relaxed and at ease, and um, the thinking mind starts to get into a little bit of a kind of a pattern where there's focus on breathing and, and whatnot. And and then I mentioned the limbic system of that fight-or-flight response starts to be reduced as well. Right. So when we did the experiential piece, um, you also told our listeners if they were driving that they could still experience it, but obviously by not not closing their eyes or looking down, but by feeling their hands on the steering wheel, for example. So unlike meditation, which is never advised when you're um, driving or in the middle of some activity, it sounds like mindfulness is something we can come back to when we are actively doing something. Did I understand that correctly? Yes. In fact, thank you for bringing us back just real quick to the differences. So um, meditation very often is this idea of saying a mantra like Om and trying to clear the mind. And it's, you know, usually it's sitting somewhere quiet and so on. So mindfulness is more about how you are in the world. So it's being aware more and more often of what's happening moment to moment. Most of us live in the past or the future. (laughs) We're worrying about what's coming next. We're reliving some past trauma uh, or whatever, and we're not that, you know, aware of what's happening here and now as we walk, as we sit, as we are just, you know, maybe on the phone. And so mindfulness, when we practice formally for this 10 minutes a day, let's say with eyes closed, just paying attention to all that's going on with us, that helps us bring mindfulness to more parts of our day, right? So when you practice regularly, you're more likely to be experiencing each moment as it's happening because that's our life. Like everything else, right? The past and the future are either gone or are still maybe to come or maybe won't come at all. The things we worry about often don't come. So um, living in this present moment is where the richness of your life is. 
Um, it's kind of what a lot of people talk about when they talk about being in the flow, right? right. Athletes talk about it, um, just that that connection to here and now and exactly what you're doing, and you feel like this euphoria almost with this connectedness. And um, and so practicing mindfulness, you know, helps you get to that point where you feel like your life is more in flow more often. So I came to for stress reduction. That was why I okay. started practicing myself 25 years ago. But what I've noticed is that it influences almost every part of my life. That well, and I have easier. a I have a small story to throw in there about that. I I know from some Buddhist texts that I've read about mindfulness. One of the recommendations was to practice being present when you're doing the dishes. And the experience I personally had doing the dishes when I was mindfully doing them, as opposed to thinking to myself, I have to get this done because I have some work I have to finish or I want to spend time with my family um, or any half a dozen other things. Um, it changed the whole experience and it makes it a much more pleasant experience and it actually goes faster um, when you're fully present. Yes. I would like to switch gears right now and talk a little bit more about what you have created because I think it is phenomenal and I want everyone to know about it. Um, Tell me about the implications of mindfulness for education and how you decided to create Inner Explorer. Yes. So because mindfulness was so impactful in my life, I started studying it. I um, became a trainer myself over the course of a couple of years, started um, teaching people And at that same time, there was a a number of different research studies that were getting published that used functional MRI, which is just, it it shows both the structure of the brain and the function of the brain. And so these studies were showing that mindfulness changed the structure and the function of the brain in ways that were very positive for performance or academic performance and just for life in general. So it was showing that the brain actually grows in size and structure based on these practices. And that was sort of, you know, mind-blowing, right? Yes. That these pretty simple practices were going to influence how the brain develops in ways that help people perform better. Like, wow. And so I thought, this is so relevant for children, because children in these ages, in these school ages, their brains are going through massive change. So why not make that change as positive as possible? So um, myself and Janice Houlihan decided to co-create Inner Explorer, which is a nonprofit organization. So we bring daily mindfulness practice to preschool all the way through high school classrooms. We're in 31 thousand classrooms now. We're reaching by June, by the end of the school year, we should be reaching a million children with daily practice. And Congratulations. That's about, amazing. <laughs> thank you. Thank, not bad for six years, right? Um, but what's been, what's, I mean, the whole journey has been incredible, but what is so exciting to us is that because the way we've implemented the program, the sort of consider it like the expert instructor is in the daily guide. 
that is an audio guided, just like we're talking on the phone. They would click on a computer, press play, and each day is a different practice. And day by day, we teach the listeners about mindfulness, about how to do it, about how to notice thoughts and emotions. And it gets more complex as the, the series goes. But children and their teachers can practice together. And even parents at home can get the link to the same practice their child's doing in school. So, so there's, a, there's a conversation simple. initially that talks about what that day's practice will, will entail, or you just immediately go into the practice? We just go right in, but day by day. So at the beginning, we share, like, what is it? Why does it matter? Let's talk about how we sit. And we just, the first practice is just a little bit of introduction, and it's a sitting, like we sit sort of, you know, with a a posture where our back is straight and so on and so forth, and we tell kids why we do that from a breathing standpoint. Then the next day, we talk about the next topic. So each day, they're closing their eyes, they're listening to the guide, they're breathing in and out, and they're paying attention to different aspects of the self. So we guide them into emotion awareness, like we say, remembering a time when when you felt frustrated and what was that like and where did you feel that? And all of these practices help children tune into their own life from an inner experience standpoint. So then they begin to notice if they feel frustration rising, a lot of times they'll feel the sense before the thinking brain even knows what's happening. And that's right. the place where they get choice, right? That's the moment of awareness where you kind of go, okay, I'm not going to react. I'm going to respond. Um, so, so that's kind of what we're, what we're doing in, um, in school. So it's growing and thankfully educators are finding it incredibly useful, um, to help, you know, kids reduce their stress, reduce the behavior problems. It's 10 minutes, it's a 10 minute program each day. Is that how it works? Yes. So it's five minutes for the preschool kids and it's 10 minutes for everybody else. And um, like I said, it's so easy to implement. It's pretty inexpensive. The teachers just have to press the button and each day, you know, is sequenced. That's, that's amazing. And it's, um, is there training for the teachers? Do they need to go through or does the school need to go through any kind of training before they use your program? So that's the other great news. Um, you know, if you've ever logged on to a computer, which I think most, most teachers have, <laughs> point, um, that's all you need to know how to do. You just put, you know, day one, day two, day three, it's all sequenced. So the teachers don't have, there's no prep, there's no planning. Um, we do have a little five-minute orientation video that explains some of what we've been talking about, but probably in a, a tighter, you know, format. So that teachers understand the science behind it, the research behind it, and why they would want to do it. And then generally in a school, we would ask a school counselor or maybe a school social worker to act as the champion just to, you know, help if there are any questions. So those people sometimes would do a webinar or sometimes in person, you know, hour-long session to just make sure they they know what to do. But it's, it's pretty simple. And have you had... Have you, has it been easy to get into the schools or have you had challenges initially getting people to buy into it? I would oh, think yeah. everybody would want to do it, but. I know, you would think. Um, it has been challenging because school administrators are overwhelmed. 
you know, even educators. I mean, we all know there's safety and security. We're trying to get guns into every school now and building fences. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of different initiatives. So the good news about this is that it influences almost every other thing that you do in school. But if you think about it, if your cognitive function is optimized through mindfulness, every subject is improved. And we've shown in research that math, science, reading, social studies, all those grades go up. So, you know, from the standpoint of does this make sense in school, from an academic standpoint, the answer is definitely yes. Behavior problems go way down, so the school counselors and those folks have less, you know, less people coming into their office every day. So, um, and even from a safety standpoint, you know, kids are more empathetic to each other. They're more compassionate to one another. And so it's reasonable to believe that there will be fewer violent situations if we can, you know, have this be embedded in every school. So the the short answer is it was challenging at the beginning. It's becoming much more accepted now because I think educators are recognizing that lots of other stuff isn't working and they need a, a new a new view on this. Well, just from going onto your website, there were success indicators that I thought were amazing, which is a 28% increase in grades, a 43% decrease in teacher stress, 60% decrease in behavioral issues, and 15% increase in overall average GPA. Um, I'm sure those numbers have probably improved even more since they were on your website, but it certainly seems like an amazing way to address the concerns of today's society and of our young children and a very a simple way to implement it um, and really see some wonderful shifts. Um, you yeah. had mentioned to me when we talked that you had some opportunities for our listeners in terms of uh, a way to try this out for themselves or how would they access your website and... Where would they go and what could yes. they do? So the easiest thing is to just visit innerexplorer.org. And it's you know, just as it sounds, innerexplorer.org. And right on the main page, there's a button that says Start Trial. And anybody, any listener, teacher, parent, anything, can click on that button and sign up for a free trial. There's no money required, no credit card to do a free trial. Anybody can do it. And I think right now it's a 30-day trial. So uh, we really encourage folks to give it a try. As I said, the most important thing is to do it every day, even if it feels a little uncomfortable at first, and that you'll get the hang of it. So, um, you know, we'd love your listeners to to give that a run. And, And I am always open to feedback, so please feel free to send a note. We have a contact us um, on our main page and you can just send any question or any note. We'd love to, you know, to share more. That's great, Laura. So the the website, again, if you could tell everyone to access this. Yes, it's inner. Yep, inner, I-N-N-E-R, explorer, E-X-P-L-O-R-E-R dot org. Wonderful. And they can reach you directly as well through that or is there another... Uh, way for them to reach you? Probably the easiest is there's a contact us button on the bottom of our page. And so just click that and type in whatever information you'd like to share or question that you might have, and we will respond right away. 
Wonderful. So I encourage everyone who's listening today to try it out. I have tried it out. It's pretty amazing. And if you have friends or family and schools that you know that might be interested, I would encourage you to introduce them to NRA Explorer. So thank you to all of you for joining us today on Perspectives. I've been talking to Laura Bakosh, co-founder and CEO of Inner Explorer. We've been discussing mindfulness and how she came to discover a way to bring mindfulness to children of all ages. So please get involved in her efforts. Visit the website. Try it out for yourself. Um, this, you know, it's just, it, I think it's just fabulous. So I look forward to being back with all of you next week. This is Dr. Vidisha Patel. I'm your host for Perspectives. Thank you so much to Laura for joining us. And feel free to email me at drv4kids at yahoo.com with questions and comments. Have a wonderful week. Until next time. Thank you for listening to our program this week. Another edition of Perspectives with Dr. Vidisha Patel can be heard next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until we talk again, have a lovely week.